Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. I want to take a look at uh, something. We've been talking about whatever it takes, and I want to remind you that when I say whatever it takes, I don't necessarily mean just trying to do something, all right? I don't mean just trying to do something, and I don't mean, I don't mean making some kind of effort. Uh, I don't mean that either. Whatever it takes is much more than that. It's not just trying to do something. It's not trying to just make some kind of effort. You know, sometimes we do things and we kind of throw an effort at it, right? You know, they kind of throw an effort at it. I think about my wife trying to learn to drive a stick shift, okay? Uh, She had my truck, and I was like, well, let's go try to practice. This was whenever we were both. We had been married about a year, uh, and we soon realized that we could either keep practicing with the stick shift and get a divorce, or we could just buy automatics and stay married. And so we chose automatics, uh, and that's what we drive in our family because my wife has struggles with stick shifts. So, but, but you know, we just kind of threw an effort at it. Now, she could have learned to drive a stick shift if she wanted to. If she had said, whatever it takes, I'm going to learn to drive a stick shift, she could have done it. But we just kind of threw an effort at it and moved on. Well, a lot of times in our life, what we do is, is there, is there is things that we want to change in our life or there's things that we want to get better at or there's things that we know we need to change, especially that, especially the things that we know we need to change, especially the things that we know that kind of trip us up. And oftentimes, instead of making a, I'm talking about whatever it takes, it's going to cost me something, whatever it takes. What we do is, is we end up just kind of throwing an effort at it and failing because we're not determined enough or because we don't have the right mindset to do what it is that God's asking us to do. And oftentimes that's what we do. And so what we do is instead of leaving, maybe it's it's having freedom in some area of your life, instead of leaving that quote-unquote jail cell, instead of leaving that, what we do is, is we end up putting up curtains, putting a rug down, you know, decorating it real nice and living our life just with that thing in our life and we never really get over it. And I have been to many, listen, I have been to many, many, Bedsides where people were dying, or to many funerals where, and I, you know, where I've talked to people before they passed away, and they were like, "Hey, you know, I, I really regret this, or I really wish I could have done that, or I never did this, or I never did that." What I'm asking you though is, is I'm not asking you just to throw something at it. I'm not asking you just to say, "Hey, here's what we're going to do. Let's just try this." What I'm asking you is, is whatever it takes, whatever it takes, this is going to occur. I'm going to set my mind right. God and I are going to be a team and whatever it takes, God through his, and James says this, James says that whenever we set our mind to something that it's in chapter four, it says, God will give us more grace and more grace and more grace and more grace. If we set our minds to it, he says, God will give us more grace. So if we go and we do something and we fail, he will cover us. He will give us more grace so that we can get back up and we can continue going. And that's what whatever it takes means. And today I want to look at Whatever it takes to follow. Now, I could do literally a 12-week series like I could last week on marriage. On this week, I could do a 12-week series on what it means to follow. 
what it means to follow Christ, what it means to follow. But we're going to hit the high points today within this series, whatever it takes to follow. And I have shared this scripture with you before, but I want to share it with you again because it is an incredible scripture. Now, when you read it in your Bible, it's not going to look like it is on the back because the, verse, the, 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 the text that I like using for this scripture, it makes it a little more clear and a little more easily understandable. And it's this one. It's found in the Message Bible. Now, the Message Bible is a paraphrase. It's not a word for word. It's basically taking a concept, paraphrasing it, and reading it. As a matter of fact, if you want to just read the Bible, just to read it through, read, read the message. If you want to study the Bible, don't read the message. Get the New Living Translation. But if you just want to read the Bible, you can just read through. You can use the message. And here's how the message puts Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. I want you to get that. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Okay, now, everyday, ordinary life, and he's getting ready to list it out. Here's what it's going to look like. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. Take that. Take all of those things that you do on a daily basis. Take that, and then it says this, and place it before God as an offering. And I have quoted this part so many times, and I love this embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Embracing what it is that God is doing for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, I told you guys about Adam uh, back here playing, playing guitar. Adam had a situation where he was working way too much uh, and he knew that and he was, wasn't seeing his family a lot. And he was like, and all of a sudden this opportunity came open where he got this other job and suddenly it was, it was a little more money and it was better hours and on and on and on and on. And he had a chance, he had a, he had something he needed, he needed to do something. He needed to make a decision. Uh, and what he ended up doing is, is he realized that it was what God was, was wanting from him. You know, he says two small children, a wife. He embraced that. He embraced that. And that's what scripture's talking about. Embracing what it is that God is doing for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without thinking. And then I love this part, and I have this part in red in my notes. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. That's another word for saying this. Follow. That's what that means. That's what that means. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Follow. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings, it says this, it said, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Well-formed maturity in you. So I have a question for you. What would it look like if you took, if you took, that scripture seriously. If you didn't kind of dramatize it or theologize it or do some kind of, you know, try to make it some pie in the sky, like, oh, I'll never reach that. I'll try my best. If you didn't do any of that, if you decided that you were going to take that scripture, just that scripture seriously, what would your life be like? What would your life be like? What would your life be like? Look like, what would it change in your life? 
What would you do differently in your life? What would you have to adjust in your life? What would it look like if you took that seriously? I want to tell you something about following. And it's this, and it's the first point. Following exchanges your story for God's plan. Now, right after, right, after, uh, right after Easter, we're going to go through a series called Stories. And we're going to talk about your story and my story and stories in the Scripture. We're also going to eat the varsity first thing. That's going to be awesome. We have the varsity. We're actually having the varsity food truck come. Isn't that going to be awesome? Okay, everybody that was asleep just perked up. Oh, varsity. What do I have? What do I have? Yeah, we're going to have the varsity come. So, Lynn, if that doesn't come through now, we're pretty messed up. <laughs> Lynn and I are going to be slinging hot dogs and hamburgers and chili out there. Anyway, we're going to talk about our stories. But here's what following does. Following says this. It says, hey, listen, what I want to do is, is I want to exchange my story for what God's plan is. I want you to know something. Kids, I want you to know this too. It starts with you, and it moves all the way up. Do you know that you're writing your story one decision at a time? Did you know that? Did you know that one decision at a time, one decision at a time, you're writing your story? You are. A lot of us, what we want to do is, is we want to surrender. We, we, we want to say we surrender. We want to come down front and say, God, everything I have is yours. God, all I want is what you want. That's what we say we want. And we don't want to give God the pen. We don't want to give the God the pen to the story. We don't. We say we do. And I think deep down, we probably do. Deep down in our emotions, we probably do. But we don't end up doing it. We don't end up giving God the pen. I want you to know something. Oftentimes, we want salvation without surrender. That's what we want. We want salvation without surrender. And I want you to know this. Just like peas and carrots, they can't be separated. They go right together. They go right together. They're right together. Salvation and surrender go right together. And they can't be pulled apart. Because once you pull that apart and you don't want to surrender, I want to tell you something. You stop following what Christ wants you to do. See, the difference, the, difference between, the difference between your life and someone who isn't a Christ follower is this. Uh, you guys know I'm taking a class, and I love this portion of the class that I'm taking right now. It's really interesting. and It's talking about Adam. And it talks about where Adam, after the fall, Adam had the same body the same spirit. He had the same thing. He was made up of the same thing. But the difference is, the difference was that Adam no longer, he no longer put God's will first. He put his own will first because of his fallen nature. The only difference between you and someone who's not saved is this. When you give your life over to Christ, you surrender to your will and you put God's will first. That doesn't mean that you wanting to do your will goes away, by the way. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen until the second coming. But I want you to know something. You put your will on the back burner and you allow God.
to write your story. But oftentimes, we don't want to do that. As a matter of fact, there's been a lot of churches that I've been a part of that are full, that are absolutely full, where people are coming and they're playing church and they come and look nice and they sit and they sing and they go home and they go to lunch and then they go home and then they come back the next Sunday and they do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And there's no change in their life. There's no change in their life. And they're playing church. And can I tell you something? If that's all you're going to do, you might as well stay home. You might as well go play golf or go fishing or whatever. Go for a run, go for a walk, whatever. Because it really does you no good until you're ready to surrender. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. We have to have a surrendered, we have to surrender to God and say, God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write my story. One of the biggest obstacles, you guys, that you'll ever have in your faith is getting out of your own way. Did you know that? One of the biggest obstacles you'll ever have in your faith is getting out of your own way. It's getting out of your own way. It's saying, man, I am laying this down and I'm going to back up and wait for God and then I'm going to follow what God wants me to do. And I'm going to do what the scripture says. I'm going to embrace, I'm going to embrace what it is that God is doing for me because I know that's the best thing I can do for him. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to give him control. I'm going to do that. The next thing is this. Following allows God to shape and to mold us. All right? Following allows God to shape and to mold us. Now, I want you to know something. It's really interesting. Is anybody ever, are you guys any good at, is anybody any good at Play-Doh stuff? You guys ever do that? Play-Doh stuff? Anybody, y'all remember, the kids still play with Play-Doh, by the way. Is it all, is it an app now? Is that what it is? <laughs> I know, Play-Doh app. I was terrible at Play-Doh. When I was two or three, I tried to eat Play-Doh. All right? And that doesn't end very good. But I was terrible at Play-Doh. When I tried to mold these things and play, I would really, I would try, I would try to mold these things, right? I would try to mold it, and I was awful. And then I would end up taking like the red and putting it on the yellow, and then it would end up being like Yed or Rello. You know what I mean? It's like all mixed up, and it looks all yucky, and it ends up being like, is it orange? Is that what it is? I'm an idiot. It would end up being orange. <laughs> so I know, you guys, I told you I'm bad at colors actually I'm bad at colors it does make sense why I like orange so much although because it was always a red and yellow I heard somebody say it was orange he's really dumb it was orange no listen I was really bad at that I really was and and I couldn't really mold anything and so the concept of God molding me was like wow that's that's really that's really kind of crazy so now I'm thinking okay so yellow and blue make green right is that right is that right, yellow and blue? What are the other color things? Is there any more? Red and blue make purple. Okay, all right. Yes. Now that we know our colors and what makes what, let's go back to the message. Um, listen, I want to give you an example of this. I want to give you an example in my own life. In your life, too, how, how you get molded. Um. Do you guys remember if you had a kid? Do you guys remember when you had a kid or you got, remember you got married? 
You guys remember when you got married and had a kid, you know? You get married, you have a kid. I'm going to tell you something. There's no way that you can act the same way before you have a kid and after you have a kid. It in reality. I mean, I'm telling you, man, you will go from being Mr. Cool at the gym to singing Little Bunny Foo-Foo. I mean, like, just like that. I mean, it'll be just like that. You do. You will. I mean, it, you will literally, your whole concept will change. The whole thing changes. And you can't help it. Why does it change? Why, does, why, why is your life completely molded in a different direction? Do you know why it's molded in a different direction? Because someone that you deeply love has entered the picture. And you can't help but change. You can't help to adjust your life. You can't help but do those things. The same thing happens in marriage. You know, I would have never driven eight hours every other week to go see my friend Joe, okay? I mean, look, I didn't even have a friend Joe at the time. But listen, I would have never done that. What made me do that? And I want to tell you something. I wasn't going, gosh, I've got to go see Wendy. She won't leave me alone. I've got to drive eight hours. You know what I mean? Man, I would work crazy hours. I'd get in that car and I was gone right there. And I would stay to the last second. And I would roll in on two wheels going into work. Eight hours, one way, every other weekend. You do crazy things like that. As a matter of fact, my mom and several of my friends were like, bro, have you lost your mind? I said, I sure have. I lost my mind. Listen, having a child, getting married, what does that do to you? You know what it does to you? It molds you to be a different type person. It molds you to be a different type person. The same thing with our relationship with God is true. Allowing him, listen, allowing him to shape us and mold us is what he wants to do. It's what he wants to do. And here's the cool thing about what he does. He doesn't take you from being super outgoing to super quiet. He doesn't take you from being, you know, this person that really doesn't like to be on stage and is quiet. And you know, He rarely does that. He may do it every once in a while, but he rarely does it. What he does is, is he says, hey, listen, I created you and I formed you and I see what you're made of. And I want to take all the things that are within you and use it 100% for my own glory. I want everything. That's what I want. And that's how he shapes us. And that's how he molds us. But following requires allowing him to do that. And let me say something about that and we'll go on to the next point. Sometimes when you shape and mold, it can get a little uncomfortable. Are you with me? Think about yourself. I know this may be a stretch for some of you. Think about if you were putty, if you were silly putty, you were orange silly putty. Think about that. And you started getting shaped and mold and you started getting shaped to what God wants to do. And you're like, it gets a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? It gets a little uncomfortable. Sometimes it can get a little painful. Sometimes it can get a little painful here and a little painful there. But he wants to shape you and mold you. He wants to work on things in your life and shape those things. 
And you're going to get so frustrated because he's going to be working on your anger, per se. Let's just, he's going to be working on that anger. And, and all of a sudden, five people are going to come out in front of you. And you're going to get mad three times and, and not fail twice the first two times because you're like, oh, I'm not going to get mad. Oh, I'm not going to get mad. And then it's, it's over, right? And so, but that's what he's going to do to you. And, he, and he's going to keep molding, and you're going to go, oh, man. And then one day you're going to wake up, and you're going to go, gosh, man, those things don't make me mad anymore. Gosh, I don't, those things don't even matter to me anymore. What was once something that I thought was important is no longer important because I have experienced someone else. Just like when you have a kid, just like when you get married, I've experienced someone else that I love much deeper than the thing I was holding on to. And that's how he molds you. That's exactly how he molds you. You know, the next thing about that is, is this, and I want you to hear this. Following God requires movement. It requires movement on your end. God is on the move, and it requires movement. Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, this is a really funny story. Um, it, it requires movement. It requires you to step out and do something that maybe you're not wanting to do. Maybe you're scared to do it. Maybe you're being challenged and you know for a fact that God's telling you to do it and you try to do it. Um, Elijah Slay and I coached, uh, this is so funny. We, we coached a, uh, a youth uh, football team. Now let me tell you how we got this gig, all right? We show up with our boys and apparently unbeknownst to us, all the other teams had already, all the other teams, they had already picked their players. But our boys, being new, we didn't know anyone. We show up, and they're like, hey, we got more players than we thought we were going to have. Let's just take all of those players, the new kids, let's take all those and make another team. Is there anybody that wants to coach it? And all these dads were standing around. None of them. None of them raised their hand. None of them said anything. And so Elijah, he and I had already chatted a little bit. I didn't even know him at the time. He had a Tennessee hat on, and I was like, hey, man, we still stink, huh? And he said, yeah, we do. And then we went on and talked about something else. Um, but but I, he said, hey, man, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach. You want to help me? And I said, sure. I mean, I'll do it. Why not? Well, that was dumb. Let me just say that. We didn't score a touchdown all year, literally. I kid you not. Not one touchdown. So anyway, but we love Jesus, and doggone it, we were happy. Um, but listen, I want to tell you this. Here's what happened during the year, though. Some of the kids' dads would come over and stand on the fence behind us. And the amazing thing is, is that those dads, I didn't know this. I was clueless. But they all knew more about coaching than I did. I had no clue knew. You had a Bill Belichick back over here, all right? I mean, I'm not kidding you. Nick Saban over here behind the fence trying to tell me how to coach. And so finally, a parent one day said, hey, man, hey, man. And I turned around and said, what's up? And he said, uh, I think it'd be better if you ran the ball this way. And I said, I think it'd be better if you came over here and coached. And he was like, oh, no, man, oh, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I said, no, 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 seriously, come on over. We don't know what we're doing. And I was dead serious. We didn't know what we were doing. Come on over here. Come on over here. No, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then he walked back around on the other side. That's what he did. What was his deal? Let me tell you what his deal was. He wanted, to give, he wanted to give talk, but he didn't want to be in the game. He didn't want to be in the game. He didn't. He didn't. Put it in church lingo. He wanted to come on Sunday mornings, 
criticize the worship band a little bit, maybe talk about the preacher, how he shouldn't wear flip-flops because his toes cringe up. He wanted to do all that. He wanted to do all that. And then he wanted to leave and go to lunch. And the next Sunday he was going to come in again and do the same thing. See, he's a, he's, he knows everything he has to do, but he's not in the game. Don't be the kind of person that only talks a good game about Christ, that only talks a good game about following Jesus, but you never get in the game. You never get in the game. And here's why you need to be in the game. Because following should cost you something. It should cost you something. Following will cost you something. I told you a couple weeks ago, trusting other people will cost you something. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Having a great marriage will cost you something. Loving other people unconditionally will cost you something. And following Christ will and should cost you something. If you're the same person you've always been, doing the same things, being the same way, having the same relationships, struggling with the same things, experiencing the same people, living the same life, I want to tell you a sad secret. You're probably not following if you're doing the same thing you've always done and getting the same results you've always gotten, doing the same things all the time, you're probably not following. Following may cost you a friendship. It may. You may. It cost me a friendship. It did. It cost me a friendship. I have friends because I'm following Christ, and it cost me a friendship. It may cost you a bunch of lonely nights at home. If you're single, it may cost you a bunch of lonely nights at home. Maybe if you're in high school and you want to follow Christ, but you don't want to go out and do the things that everyone else is doing, it may cost you a bunch of lonely nights sitting at home. It may cost you your job. I have worked with people where they literally have said, okay, I'm not going to do this, and I may get fired. And I said, well, if you get fired, we got your back. We got your back. Until you get another job, we got your back. Because that's what the church is supposed to be. It may cost you your job if you want to do the right thing, but everyone else is doing the wrong thing. I'm not sure what it will cost you, but it will cost you something. Following always costs something. It always does. You know how I know that? Because if it didn't, everyone would be doing it. Everyone would be committed. Everyone would be focused. Everyone will be doing what God wants them to do. Everyone will be embracing what God has for them. There's a story. There's a story in the text, and I'll end with this. And you guys all know this story. There's a story where a guy who's wealthy, he comes to Jesus. And this guy knew everything. He knew everything about He had memorized the, the, the Torah, the first five books of the text. He had memorized it. He knew it all, man. He was like, here's what I've done. I've kept every commandment. I've kept every commandment. I have, I have been a great person my whole life. You know, I have done all of these things. I have checked every box. I've done everything. What do I got to do, Jesus? And he said this. He said, I want you to go and take everything you own, and I want you to sell it, and then come and follow me. And the Scripture says this. The Scripture says that at that, he lowered his head, turned around and walked away. And it says this, because he was a wealthy man. 
He was a rich man. What is it that Jesus wanted him to do? He wanted him to give up that which meant more than anything to him, which was his money. That's what he wanted. What is it that he would ask you to do? It's going to cost you something. It will. But the rewards are incredible. I'm telling you, the return's incredible. If, every, if everyone got this kind of return on their money, man, I tell you, it, they would invest in following Christ from here and, and, until he comes. The rewards are incredible. He does things you can't explain. He does. He does things you can't explain. He does things like pay you, you know, when you're not supposed to get paid and provide checks when you're not supposed to have them and provide a better home that you thought you were going to have and better friends that you thought you were going to have. And he does things like just out of the blue, just these crazy things. Why? Because he said, if you'll follow me, I'll write your story. I want to invite you today to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to follow Christ. And that starts with you taking the pen, sitting it down, and standing back, and then embracing what it is that God is doing through and in you. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for... uh, Thank you so much that even though following is oftentimes hard, that you, that you do things in order for us to be, you say, if you will do this, I will take care of you. You are the safety net, God. You are the one that carries us. Lord, I just want to ask you today, if there's people here that are not following Jesus, that they would come forward, that they would come down and say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. This is what I want to do. I want to follow him. God, I pray that you would uh, have, have people, even this morning while I spoke, if there's things in people's hearts, I pray that you would highlight those things. Don't let them leave here the same way they came in. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. And we know, we absolutely know that you've got great plans for us. Let us embrace that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up and let's worship. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless and remember to love God love others, and live real.